Die Hard. Is that a Christmas movie? Wow. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll have a forum later and we can debate that. Uh, It will be the Santa Claus, though. I do like the movie Die Hard. I don't think that that is very family-friendly, though. So the Santa Claus, it is. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I had to put long sleeves on today because I am cold all the time now. Uh, But um, uh, as DJ said, we're going to take a little break from Acts. Uh, Next week, DJ is going to be preaching. He's actually going to be talking to us about how we can uh, develop gratitude in our life. And then we're going straight into a Christmas series that I'm really, really excited about called A Classic Rock Christmas. Yeah, you're not going to want to miss that. So uh, we'll be coming back to Acts after the new year. But today, uh, originally I was going to be in the book of Acts, but um, God really placed it on my heart for us to have what I'm calling a family meeting. Now, uh, in my house, uh, if there is a decision to be made or if there's trouble going on or if there's problems we have to address, uh, we call the family together, maybe in our living room or around the table, and we have a little family meeting, and we just talk about what's going on, and we, we listen to each other, and, and we just sort of figure out what's next for us. And, and that's what I want to do here today in a similar way. Now, I realize that some of you in this room are new with us today, and so much of what I'm going to talk about, I want you to know, does not apply to you, but I also want to invite you to sort of lean in and listen, because I believe what God has to say uh, through what uh, I've prepared, does apply to you and can transform your heart and your life in a similar manner. For those of us who do call Genesis home, though, uh, especially for those of you who consider themselves or are members, I am asking you to lean in this morning, to lean in and listen. I am inviting you to listen wholeheartedly to what God has to say to us myself included, because the future of Genesis really depends on it. Now, I have been the pastor of Genesis since May of 2017. Next year will be six years. And since our arrive, my arrival at our church, one thing has always been true of this church. We're in a unique situation. Many of you may not know, we actually own the strip mall. Um, and so we are not just a church. We're also a landlord, which is very unique of that, we have always relied on outside income to supply the operating needs of our church. We receive rent from our teen center. We have a church that meets right after us that pays a sublease to us. We have had capital campaigns over the years. We sold the original breakfast house, and the proceeds of that have helped fund us. We've received funds given to us by Christ Church of the Valley, a very benevolent expenditure on their part. We've received reductions in rent that we pay to the overarching organization that we actually are affiliated with, that is us, that operates the building, but they've reduced our rate. So our income is a really complicated way of going about doing church. And while I am, and I know we as a leadership team and a church are super grateful for the ways in which all of these different streams of income have helped us sustain ministry here at Genesis, I have been growing more and more concerned about our future because of our inability to support ourselves. In addition, our general giving 
at Genesis has not been meeting our needs. We continue to have to use our reserves, which are being drained month by month, in order to cover our operating expenses. Now listen, I know that there are many of you in this room who give and contribute cheerfully and sacrificially every week, every month, every year. I mean, I know that there are many of you who are giving a significant portion of your income back to the church, and for that, I am so eternally grateful. But while I don't see our giving records, and I, uh, you know, I, I don't see what people give, I know that most of the giving of this church comes from a very small percentage of people. The result is that we are blowing through our savings, and should things not turn around in the next six months, we will be forced to make some really hard decisions. So just to give you an idea of where we are, our fiscal year, I'm sorry, our fiscal year started June 1st, and in October, we were five months into our year, and we were already $30,000 behind in our general giving. That doesn't even include the money that we have planned to use from our reserves and other sources of income. And so if this trend continues, which is about a six dollars to $8,000 shortage each month, we'll be out of reserves by this time next year. Now, all that said, it should be noted that we are not an exception to the rule among churches, especially those in America. In September of this year, Barna Research did a massive study on the giving trends of church in America, and they're staggering. Of all Christians who were part of the study, it revealed that only 21% of Christians give 10% or more of their income. And 25% of Christians, dedicated followers of Jesus, never gave anything. Which means that one out of five people give a significant, consistent portion of their income, while one out of four give nothing. Or better said yet, out of 100 Christians, those are followers of Jesus, committed people, saved by the blood of Christ, of 100 people, only 20 are giving in a biblical, sacrificial, and consistent manner. Now, one other stocking stat is this. Of people who make $75,000 or more per year, only 1% of them are giving 10% or more of their income to the local church. Now, I say this because generosity is not something that's dependent on the amount of money a person makes. In fact, the research shows that as people begin to make more money, the percentage of what they actually give continues to go down. So all that said... Our reality as a church is that about 20% of the people are giving 80% of the resources. And that is a model that is not sustainable, nor does it promote growth and expansion in God's kingdom. When I received our October financials, uh, you should know that uh, we have a leadership team, and on that we have a financial uh, secretary and a financial treasurer, and they help to keep us up to tabs on what's going on. Um, I realized this is becoming a real problem. And I think myself and our leadership turn, team had hoped to see some of the giving trends turn, this, turn around this fall, but they just they haven't. And again, I, I don't know what everybody gives. It's a policy in a church, and for the most part, I am, I'm grateful for that. But what I do see 
is that our total giving in each week and each month is on the decline. And in October, our giving was a little over $18,000, which is about $8,000 behind our budgeted amount for our general giving. And what shocked me is that I realized that my wife and I gave almost 10% of that amount. Now, I do not say that to brag. Look, trust me, I don't want to be considered one of the larger givers in our church. I'm just saying that to simply paint a picture of our current reality. Our church is behind in its giving, and the giving that we do receive is bolstered primarily by a very small percentage of people. And this is not how the church is supposed to operate. It's not. In fact, if we continue on this trend, we won't be able to operate, at least not at full capacity. I know almost everyone in this room. I know your love for this church. I know your love for Jesus. And I know you come here every week eager to grow in your faith and hear from God. And that excites my soul in ways that are hard to explain. But friends, family, this is a problem. And it is not a money problem. This is a heart problem. Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 6. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus says these words and he says at the end, I want to make this really clear. How you use your money is first and foremost an issue of the heart, not a financial one. And so my greatest concern, family, is not about money. It's about our hearts. So today I am asking us to humbly take a heart check. And I want you to know that there is an abundance of grace in this room today I may say some things that make you feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe you've already felt that. That's okay. And if this is an area that hasn't received much attention in your life up to this point, that's okay too. There's grace for that. But I also want us to see this as an opportunity, an opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to continue to transform our hearts into a more giving and generous people. Okay, so that was a really long introduction to the passage I want us to look at today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. By the way, this is not on you version. We're just, I want us listening, not on our phones, all together, sitting around the table, having our family meeting. Now, before I read it, you should know that this passage is written to the church in Corinth in the first century. And at the time it was written, Paul is writing to the churches in the surrounding areas of the Roman Empire and asking them to take up an offering for the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem is at the core of the ministry that's going out into the Roman Empire. And at the time, the church in Jerusalem is under heavy persecution and is struggling to simply take care of the church that exists there. And here are the words that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. 
starting in verse 6. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. I want to point out three things that Paul mentions about giving that I believe has the power to change our hearts about the good news of Jesus and the generosity that we're called to as Christians. And first is that Paul likens giving to planting seeds. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't garden. Most things that grow in soil that I care for don't last very long. Uh, But I get this analogy. And Paul is saying, if if you plant only a few seeds, you're only going to get a small crop. But if you plant many seeds, you'll get a large harvest. And he's using this analogy to tell us that the more generous we are with what we have, the larger the harvest we receive. Generosity works the same way as this planting principle. When we will give to God's work through the church generously, we receive a large harvest ourselves, both personally and corporately. God For whatever reason, well, it's explainable, he shows favor to those who decide in their hearts to give generously. In fact, in Paul, in verse 10, Paul says that God will provide an increase in your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you when we sow a greater seed. Paul's saying, listen, when you give generously to the work of God through the local church, God not only increases the resources of the church, but he also increases your desire to give even more, and he provides for you in ways you would never have imagined outside of it. There's another thing that Paul says in verse 10 that I think is critical when we think of generosity. In the analogy that Paul is using, he says in verse 10 that God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer. This is a reversal, I think, in most of our minds of how our income actually comes to us. You know, we work hard for our income. I know many, I know many of you have you know, the jobs that you work, and you work hard for that money. And it's easy for us to get into the mindset that, no, 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 this is, I earned this money. But Paul is saying, look, whatever seeds you have in your bank account, God provided those for you. He gave you the mind to be able to think through the work you do. He gave you the breath you need to be able to live through the day, to do the the hands that you have, the feet that you have. 
He gave you the ability to, to problem solve and, and be able to develop relationships. Everything that we do is given to us by God, including whatever number exists in our bank account. And that should change our view, not only of our income, but of generosity as well. Every dollar that we've been given has been given to us out of the generosity of God. And he is now asking us to do the same. The second thing Paul says is that our giving should be done cheerfully. Now, in other words, giving is not something that we ought to look at as we have to do this, but something we look at as an opportunity that we get to do. We get to do this. We get to be a part of this. When you give to the work of the local church, you're literally partnering with God in the expansion of his kingdom and bringing heaven to earth. Jesus says, don't store up your treasures in heaven, or in, on earth where moths and thieves can steal it. Store up in heaven where things will never die. When you're giving to the work of the kingdom through the local church, you are giving to something that will outlast everything you see, touch, smell, or hear. It will live on forever. And when you give to Genesis in particular, you are helping to accomplish the vision that we have of seeing a community of changed lives, changing lives come to life. You're giving to help the next generation know and love Jesus. You're giving to see people who were once far from God come into a life-saving relationship with him. And Paul says, that should pump you up. That, man, we, we shouldn't look at giving as something, oh man, I gotta do this. But holy cow, I get to do this? I get to be a part of what God is doing through the giving of my income, through the giving of my finances? It shouldn't be done as something we do reluctantly or under pressure, but cheerfully because we're investing in the only thing that will outlast this world. We're investing in the hearts and souls of people being changed by the same good news that has changed us. What a privilege it is. That fires me up. And you know what else fires me up? When I come here on Wednesday nights and I see 25 teenagers hanging out with our youth pastor and leaders, getting to know who Jesus is, man, that, I can't wait to cheerfully give up my money. When I see a dozen people deciding to take steps in their faith and our class on Thrive on Wednesday nights, that cheers me up, that gets me fired up, and I cheerfully give. When I hear the stories of people in this church whose lives are being changed by the love and grace of Jesus, I cheerfully give of my money. It's such a privilege to be able to be part of that. Again, giving is not something you have to do. It's an invitation to something you get to do. Lastly, in this passage, when Paul says that when we're generous, the needs of the church are met, both locally and beyond. In short, Paul is saying giving to the local church is more than just a financial transaction. For God, giving to the local church is a spiritual transformation. It transforms our world, and it transforms our hearts. 
And it also provides for the needs of the local church to continue to fulfill the mission of inviting people into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And you know what? 2,000 years after Paul wrote these words, nothing has changed. Giving is still providing harvest personally and corporately. It still transforms people's hearts and it provides for the needs of the local church. Now, I know when I start talking about giving, one of the questions that almost immediately gets risen is, well, how much am I supposed to give? Well, just for context, the church in Corinth at this point is actually being asked to give above and beyond what they're already giving to the church in Corinth, right? It's highly likely that the majority of the church, if not all of them, are giving a significant portion of their income to the local church in Corinth, and Paul is now asking them to give more above and beyond to Jerusalem. And so that said, I think we're actually asking the wrong question when we ask, how much do I have to give? I think the real question we should be asking is, how much do I get to give? You see, I think that when we ask the question, how much do I have to give, we end up giving First, the bare minimum, and we do it very reluctantly, which is not what Paul is teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But those who ask this question, how much do I get to give, begin to see their giving as an opportunity to transform their lives, the lives of others, and to provide the needs of the local church. And what's more is that they end up not doing it reluctantly, but cheerfully. How much do I get to give? Giving becomes, it moves from being a job to a joy, which is what Paul, which is what God, what is what Jesus and the Holy Spirit desire for us. So here's what I want for us this morning. I, I honestly don't want something from you as much as I want something for you. I want us, myself included, to experience a harvest in our lives. I want us to live lives of generosity. I want us to see our money being used to affect the lives of others and the world around us through the local church. I want your heart to be so changed by the love of Jesus that when you look at your treasure, no matter its size, you see that it is being used for his purposes in a generous way. And in addition, I so desperately want us to become a healthy, thriving community, one that is working towards greater expansion of the kingdom of God and not worrying how we might meet our very basic needs. Listen, I I think we can all agree, we're all here because Genesis is a special place. It is filled with special people And it is created for a special purpose. Each week we're together. I am so grateful and thankful to be the pastor of your church. It is my privilege. It is one of the great joys of my life. But if we don't figure this financial thing out, things are going to have to change in a way that I think none of us want them to. We just can't rely on outside funds to keep us afloat anymore. It's not how the church is supposed to operate. 
The church is at its very best when everyone is participating and everyone is contributing. And right now, this is just real talk for a second. Not everyone is contributing. And it's just the cold hard facts. And I know that because if everyone was contributing, we would rarely, if ever, have to have this talk. Even as a small church, we are more than capable of providing for the needs of this church if everyone contributes, if everyone takes the words of Jesus and Paul in the New Testament seriously. Now, all of this said, listen to me now, I believe in a better future. I believe there are things that God has prepared for us as a church that we are waiting for. I have a vision And this is bold and audacious. I have a vision that within the next two years, we will be fully sustainable by the gifts of this church. Our building, our staff, our ministry expenses, our outreach to the community, everything fully funded solely by the people of this church. But for that vision to become a reality, it will take every single one of us No longer can we hope that the people next to us will give what they can so we can still participate in what God is doing here. It will take every single one of us. Here is how I believe we can make the vision of being fully funded as a church, moving forward in faith, doing the things that God has for us, expanding the kingdom of God in our city and in our community, and doing it fully funded by the people of our church. Here's how it's going to happen. When 100% of Genesis people are giving 100% of what they're able. That's the only way. If it's only 20% of Genesis people giving 100% of what they're able, I probably won't be here in two years. We just won't be able to afford it. Do, do you realize? Like, that's, this is the reality that we have to live with. But if we do this, friends, family, if we do this, man, the future is limitless. It is limitless for us. And this is a critically important distinction. I am not asking that all of us give the same amount. That is not a biblical principle. It's not how this works. What I am asking is that 100% of us who call Genesis home are giving 100% of what we're able. Now, for some people, that will mean they can give 100 bucks. And for others, it might mean they can give 10,000. And there will be everywhere in between. What is critical is that we all participate. In addition to that, though, I want us to stretch ourselves, right? Like, we are people of faith, are we not? We're people of faith. Do we believe the word of God? Yes. Yes. And if you're like, I'm not sure, let's start there, okay? It's okay. There's grace for that, but let's start there. But if we believe what the word of God says, and Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth, store them up in heaven, you know, and wherever your treasure is there, your heart will also be, that should mean something to us, right? It should mean something to us, and we should stretch ourselves in faith. It's often been said, you can't outgive God. I found that to be true in my life. I've never really tried, but I've known, man, 
when I stretch myself, God, God is generous to me. Sometimes financially and sometimes in spiritual and emotional and mental and physical ways I never imagined. Certainly you have financial responsibilities and we are called to be good stewards of what we have. But what if we became a community that really trusted God at his word? What if we became a community so generous that the watching world, your friends and family, would think you were crazy? I want people to think I'm crazy with the way that I handle my money. So generous that people wouldn't understand. Why would you do that? Why? Because I know the creator. And I know what he says. That when I sow a large amount of seed, the harvest is great. And I've seen him work in my life. You know what? I want you to listen to what God has to say for us about stretching ourselves. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, God says this to his people. And if you've ever heard a message on giving, you've probably heard this, but I want you to listen again. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. By the way, bring all the tithes. Tithe simply means 10%. Let's be clear on that. 10% of what we have been given. That's what a tithe is, okay? It's not 1%, it's 10%. That's what that word means. God says, Bring the tithes to the storehouses so there'll be enough food in my temple so that the resources of the temple will be filled for the church to be fulfilled. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Do you know that this is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Do you know why I think he says that? Do you know why I think Jesus says what he says in Matthew chapter 6? Because there is one thing in this world that is competing for your heart more than anything else, and it's money. Do you know that Jesus talked about money more than he talks about heaven, hell, and faith combined? It's a big deal, apparently, to Jesus. It's a big deal for us. And so God says, listen, I know how critical and how important this is to the transformation of your heart, so try it. Test me. See how faithful. See how generous. See how good I can be. I will fling open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Now, we said earlier, didn't we, that we believe what God has to say. We said that? Four people? Come on, do we believe what God has to say? Yes. Then we ought to believe this. This should be at the heartbeat of who we are. Generous people who trust the word of God, who when he says, try it, put me to the test, we say, where do I start? As we head into the end of the year, we're going to be doing what we always do. We're going to do a little year-end giving initiative to help us get flush with our budget. And currently, we're a little more than $30,000 behind budget. So we, our leadership team, and me are asking all of us, 100% of us, giving 100% of what we can to raise $30,000 by the end of the year to help us bridge the gap of that budget. Now, this is important 
And like Paul was asking the Christians, this is something that we're asking you, if you're already giving, to give above and beyond. Right? Paul's asking the Corinthians, I'm asking you to give above and beyond. If you just give to the year-end giving and you don't give your normal giving, it doesn't help us. Okay? We don't gain any ground in that way. I'm just being real. Right? And so it's above and beyond. Now, in addition, if you aren't giving yet, abundance of grace to you, I want you to see this as an opportunity to jump in. To jump in. And my hope for you is that you'll take this initial step of faith and give toward the year-end giving initiative and then use that as a stepping stone to make giving and generosity to the local church a consistent thing in the coming year. Start here and then never stop. I promise you, you will not regret this. And again, I'm asking of us today, 100% of Genesis people giving 100% of what they are able. My wife and I are going to sit down in the next couple weeks and we're going to discuss what that looks like for us. And I'm asking you to do the same. Man, God is at work here in amazing and life-changing ways. We can do this. This is not outside of our reach. I trust what God has to say, that as we become more generous, what does he do? He too becomes more generous to us as a community. So let's become a generous community that gives to and supplies the church with what it needs to keep taking ground for his kingdom. 100% of us giving 100% of what we're able. You're going to hear more about the year-end giving initiative. We'll, we'll give you as much information as you want, but I'm just asking you to not leave here today without considering what the future looks like for you and your money. Remember, this is not a money issue. This is a heart issue. And I hope that there's been a heart check for you. I know, writing this, man, I was up late last night going over this baby. Because I need a heart check too once in a while. And asking myself, you know, what does generosity look like for me and for my family? Let's pray. God, I wasn't even sure how to end this message. I know you love us. Oh. I know you love this church. I know that you want a better future for this church, even more desperately than we do. And so as hard as it might be to hear some of these words, as uncomfortable as it might be at times to have to do a heart check, God, I'm just asking that by your spirit, with grace and love, that you would change something in us today. God, that in the coming months, in the coming years, there would be an outpouring of generosity like this church has never seen before. That 100% of us would give 100% of what we're able that we would stretch ourselves, that we would see that we are not just investing in brick and mortar, we are investing in the future. We are investing in eternal things. There is nothing in this world 
that matters more than your work in the local church. There just isn't. And so God, may we be convinced of that. May we be convicted of that. May we have an outpouring of generosity to see your will be done, to see heaven on earth, to see your kingdom expand through this particular community. God, we are so grateful for the way in which you have expressed generosity to us. I am so grateful that your son Jesus came to this earth and he didn't just give 10%, he gave everything for us. He poured himself out for us on the cross. He rose again three days later and we stand here and we trust you and we worship you and we follow you because he gave everything for us. May that truth take root in our hearts to the point where we give all that we can to see that message, that hope, that love reach the hearts and minds of people all throughout this valley. Thank you for calling us into your family. Thank you for truth. Thank you for loving us enough to speak to us. Even when it's difficult, may we trust you at your word. May we become a generous community. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter how much money we have, no matter how much money we make, God, I know that you are calling every single one of us to generosity today. I love you, Jesus. I love who you are. I love what you have done. I love the community you have built here. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.